this is what I have for you. So um, I have doing life and ministry at, at 30,000 feet. And that's the title here. Now, what the awareness is this, is that I want by the end of this brief time for us to live in a greater heightened awareness of those around us. That's my goal is just to be aware is that where God puts us on a day-by-day basis is strategic. You may say, well, I'm just working at flipping burgers at McDonald's. Strategic. Uh, I'm in the sanitation department. Strategic. Uh, What makes it strategic is that you are a walking package of the kingdom of God within you. Everywhere you go is significant. And so I, I, I want to encourage you this morning to a greater level of awareness of where God puts you. Uh, my story is that I grew up in, a, in, a, in an agnostic family. We didn't know about God. We didn't talk about God. I had a Jew, have a Jewish heritage and um, did, went to synagogue, did that, and uh, yet I never heard about Jesus. I mean, the only time I would ever hear about Jesus, this is up until I was 18 years of age, the only time I heard about Jesus is if somebody stubbed their knee or their toe. And Jesus Christ, I mean, it's, it's, and then I started thinking, you know, like, why don't, why don't people, like, have an equal name, like Aristotle when they stub their toe, or Beyonce, you know, or 50 Cent? I mean, why does it always have to be Jesus Christ, as if Christ is his last name? And so I heard that, <clears throat> and because I was um, a pretty messed up young man, a young kid, I was, I was a wild child, and because of that, I was, um, was sort of a target of the prayers of, of Baptist ladies in my neighborhood. And so one of them had the boldness to bring me a gift. And I think I was 16 years old. She brought me a gift. And I was like, what is this? You know, this is, I don't know if you remember Saturday Night Live, the church lady, but the church lady, she came down and she gave me this gift. And it was a Bible. And I was like, I looked at it and I had enough Southern culture to smile and thank her. But I just like, this is a gift. A Bible is a gift. I didn't know. Uh, little did I know that the joke would be on me about 30 years later when I'm helping organize a million Bibles going into China, you know? So it's like, I didn't know what this was. So, um, I went off to college a couple years later and as I was in my dorm room, I started reading the the thing. (laughs) I just thought, well, maybe I'll, there'd be a Bible literature class. And I looked through it and thought, what is this? And, uh, you know, 66 books and the book of job in there. And, you know, I don't need a job. I'm in student, so let me, what else do we have here? And then I found something I recognized, Mark. That was my brother's name. So I started reading Mark and in the process. But it was interesting because when I first opened it up, a card and a sweet card and a note from the church lady fell out with a $5 bill. And I thought, it's, you know, it's been sitting in my room for years unop- unopened, you know. And I thought, well, this is cool. And I started looking around, maybe a 20 would fall out, you know. <laughs> you know, or a 50, and it didn't, but something much better because I started reading these words out of the gospel of Mark and life started coming. And I started reading about Jesus, the Messiah. And in the process, you can guess what happened, but I met him personally. I mean, he came to me in my dorm room and his presence just came over me. And I said, who are you? And he said, you know, and it's just like, it's been a romance and a relationship ever since. So this Bible became my friend. I just carried it class. I carried it everywhere. And so um, as I was reading the Bible, then the presence of God started coming in my life. And, you know, when the presence of God comes, everything changes. 
everything changes. And you may not be experiencing the presence of God. And I just want to say, you're here. That's going to be the beginning. You know, this is a good place. And for some of it, it is a process. And my salvation was a process. So the, the reality of that word just becoming, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word became warming to my heart on the inside. And it was nurturing and feeding me. So one time I was actually reading the Bible on a bus from my uh, campus at UNC Chapel Hill to my hometown in Greensboro. And I was reading the Bible. And in the process of reading, then I just began to get this sensing that God had something for me on the bus. Now, remember, this is about awareness. And so when I was on the bus, I got this sense that I'm supposed to get up on the, the, the bus, the Greyhound bus, going down the interstate and tell everyone about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. When that happened to me, I was thought, I just, you know, I know you, Lord, but this is not you. This is not, this is the voice of the devil or something. This is, now, when you're young, a young Christian and you have a debate with God, God forgives you. But when you're getting to be my age and you, you don't debate, you just obey him or you die. It's just like really simple. It's okay. Yes, sir, Lord, whatever you say, boss. And, but this was just a real uh, life-changing moment because I just started thinking, God wants me to get up and share my testimony on this bus full of strangers. And um, kind of reminds me of this song, what if God were one of us? on the bus, you know, <laughs> well, God came on the bus, but not in the form of a person, but in my heart. And so I thought, well, you know, this bus driver is not going to let me or want me to get up on this bus. I mean, he's got policies and regulations and Romans 13 says to be subject to the governing authorities. So, you know, uh, I, that's my out. And I kept getting this nudge where he just keeps get up, get up. And so finally I went up to the bus driver. I said, sir, my name's Ron Lewis. I've been thinking about getting up on your bus and sharing my testimony about how Jesus Christ came into my heart, turned my life around, changed everything. I said, but you, I'm sure you have a policy against this. And since you probably do, I'll be happy to just go back and sit down. Just tell me what to do. I thought I'd outsmarted God, right? So then the bus driver looks at me with this real big smile. And I thought, oh, no. And he said, he said, son... I'm Pentecostal. And he said, I'll be praying for you. And here's the microphone. Real Southern. So that was it. That was the end of my life right there. And that was my very first public message. That was it. And uh, so on the bus, we're sharing the the good news. And and I preached everything I knew from Genesis all the way to the book of Maps. Just that's the last book of the Bible. So about five minutes later, I was done. And, uh, and then I said, now, how many of y'all want to receive Jesus right now in, into your life? And people started raising their hands. So I prayed and we had church on the bus. And that's one of the greatest things that wherever we go, that's church. I mean, wherever two are gathered in my name, uh, we're advancing the kingdom, right? So, um, so that was a, just kind of a, a real moment in my life where God really pulled me out. And I knew then that that was the new normal is that I'm on call. And um, I want you to go to Colossians 4 and look at this, where he's saying, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert. And that's what we want. We want a, a greater awareness and alertness to, to, to God, to his voice, to his prompting. Uh, you guys are known as a very generous church. 
generous in all things. And we want to be generous in giving away what it is that God would give to us to give to others. Freely we receive, freely give. Praying at the same time that God will open a door for us for the word. That we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. That I may make it clear the way I ought to speak. Conducting ourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Making the most of the opportunity. Letting our speech be always seasoned with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that we would know how we should respond to each person. And on that particular day, on that bus, they needed a, they needed a disruptive word. They needed something to sort of just... And here was what my big surprise. My big surprise was how much people loved it, how much people uh, enjoyed it. There was a man in the back of the bus who was at the end of all this was just... He, I saw him. He was, he was twitching. He was just... He was just jerking and twitching. I thought, all right, you know, now we're going to go from preaching the good news of Jesus in a public place. Now we're going to go to a healing service. And I went back and I said, sir, are you okay? I noticed you're twitching. He said, oh, I'm fine. Now, this is new for me. You ready? This is the white Jewish kid, okay? He said, this is a quickening. I said, sir, what's a quickening? He said, a quickening is when the Holy Ghost comes on you. You can't help yourself. So he was having a quickening moment. So that was, I was just getting educated we had a great time. Then we got there. And, and you know how in the old days when you leave church, um, the pastor goes to the front door and greets everybody. So I stood at the bus door and greeted everybody. They hugged me. It was, it was church in one package minus a song and an offering. Everything else was there. And it was a, it was a, 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 a new awareness and a new alertness, a new normal in my life. And, and, then God really taught me how to be aware and alert to family members. Uh, my own father, who I had not seen for eight years. I read the last two verses of the Old Testament in Malachi where it says, I'm going to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, you know, outside of God, there's very little hope of reconciliation with anybody. But when God's in your life, he's moving you towards relational reconciliation. I mean, the praying hands that we use... In every nation, the black hand and the white hand, they go up. That's not just a symbol. That's a reality. It's just a joy. I mean, when you look in our congregations and you, you see beyond, you see beyond uh, uh, just friendship, you see couples that are a black and a white or a Japanese and a Chinese. This is true reconciliation. Getting married together. I remember in the old days, people saying, well, I'm just so concerned about their kids. I mean, what do you think they're going to be, a black half and a white bottom? What, what are you talking about? It's like, you know, this is Black History Month, so we can take some liberties here. Um, but the, you know, and now, you know, they have their babies. They are the perfect skin color. You know, they're just perfectly tanned. I mean, it's just perfect. And we're all concerned. You know, and so our reconciliation is also with family members. And so... God gave me the grace to find my father, hadn't seen him for eight years, and went out and found him. We got reconciled, and then he flew out to Durham a year later to see me, and he said, whatever it is that's happened to you, he said, could it happen to me? I said, Daddy, you can be saved. You can meet Jesus. You, can have a, you don't have to live in Scientology and, and this new age presence and the spirit world. I said, you can know the living God. You, can, you don't have to just dabble. You can be completely baptized into the awareness of God 
and experience his forgiveness for all of your mistakes. My father of 50 some years old went to his knees in our little apartment and he fell down and he collapsed in a puddle of tears and for two or three hours and he received Christ. And that day we baptized him in our little tub there because all water is sacred if it's done in faith, right? He got baptized in our tub and my father then later moved out to be with us and he got his advanced degree in counseling. And when he died this past July, it was just so touching because people lined up in the hospital to see him at one last, one last thank you, one last goodbye. They lined up outside his door where he was dying in the hospital at Durham Regional. And when they did, they were just in tears. And I said, why are you here? Your father put my marriage together. Why are you here? Your father led me to Jesus. Why are you here? Uh, your father helped me to get my life straightened out. And, you know, the, the, the awareness and the alertness that comes into our life will have real impact on the world around us. Which brings us to, you know, just and to the awareness of when we travel, when we go about it, I, tr- I have to travel, uh, or when you're in your workplace, when you're in your cubicle. You know, if you're in a cubicle and you don't like it, just start being aware of who walks by your cubicle. Just start. Uh, my wife was in the corporate world for many years at Deloitte, and they, her first office was right by the, um, right by the copier. And the copier is a bad place to have your cubicle, Right. And because everybody's coming and getting their copies from the fax machine. This is before the fax came into the computer and all that. And, and right after 9-11, all of a sudden, her alertness just was increased because of, of the people who would just come by her all the time. And they needed ministry. They needed encouragement because her office was looking out the windows to see the people jumping from the building. They needed trauma, uh, trauma counseling. They needed therapy. And one by one, people in the Deloitte at the World Financial, began to receive Jesus. And one particular couple, they, they came to her, a husband and wife team, and they came and said, what does it mean? We, we're starting to read the Bible. What's the red letter all about? What's the red letter in here? Oh, that's the, that's the words of Jesus. And, and the alertness, the awareness that comes to the people of God, that's world-changing. That's life-changing. I've had uh, many amazing moments on uh, airplanes and um, uh, so many things have happened from just bumping into church members on the plane and sharing a seat with them to meeting people who are now engaged with and involved in our church family just by telling them uh, about the grace of God and what God's doing with us and you know and sometimes you meet some unusual characters uh, we had, we, we had, we shared a seat. There was one time my wife and I got on and actually we were split up. She was across the aisle and then I was on the other side and I was going to ask someone to swap, but it just didn't work out. And, and I was seated, seated beside a, a well-known comedian. And, uh, it just turns out that we didn't recognize her or know who she was, but I, I pulled out my Bible and just started reading it. And just in the process of doing that, uh, we started a discussion, and then one thing led to the next, and the next thing you know, this, this sweet woman who is uh, a, a, a well-known comedian, works with Joan Rivers, works you know, a lot of places and clubs and travels the country, she starts pouring out her life to my wife, Lynette, and I. And as a result of that, she right there on the plane prayed and received Jesus. 
And so this is just like a, just an awesome thing when that happens. Now, most of the time we're just planting seeds. But one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. And so, you know, if we can just live in this alertness, a lot of times we, we, we want to just wind down. We don't want to do it. But you know what? My life is indebted to a sweet church lady who brought a Bible to me as a gift. And you know what? It became a gift. Um, another time I was um, actually, uh, was actually uh, given the, the grace to be bumped up into business class. And I was seated in the bulkhead, row one, one, whatever, right by the window. And there was a young lady sitting beside me. And we started, after we took off, we started talking. And as a result, uh, I just said, so what do you do? And, and she said, well, mm, you don't want to know. I said, no, I'd really like to know. What do you do? And she said, well, I'm retired. I said, oh, that's really cool. And you're how old? She said, 28. You're 28 years old and retired. I really want to know what you do now because uh, maybe I chose the wrong profession, you know. And she said, well, you, you probably don't want to know, but I'll tell you. She said, I am an adult entertainer. I said, oh, do you, what do you do? She said, movies. I said, does that mean like you're a porn star? And I just said it because I thought, well, if she can say it, I can say it. She said, exactly. I said, interesting. So I'm just curious, but when's the last time you've like really talked to a pastor uh, <laughs> someone who knows God. When's the last time that's happened in your life? She said, never. I said, well, this is your lucky day. We're stuck on this plane together, and I am a pastor, and I'd love to talk to you about your life. And she said, you know, it's interesting. She said, I've just started getting serious. Now that I'm retired, I started getting serious about a relationship, and I'm actually engaged to a guy, and his mother's a pastor. I said, well, that's, that's fascinating. Let me help you get ready to meet her. That's really what happened. And so, so I pulled out my iPhone and, and I walked her through the Roman road in the, in the book of Romans. And I started talking to her. We've all sinned. And she said, yeah, I know I've sinned. <laughs> and then she was like, she was, uh, you know, telling me about her life. And by the time she was 19 years old, she had lived in 19 different foster care homes. And as I started hearing her story... Not that I judged her, but if there was any judgment in me, it was completely gone. Because not everyone is as fortunate as me. Not everyone lives, grew up in a fairly protected, you know, middle class neighborhood. Um, I didn't grow up with a dad, but I had a good mom. She had neither. And I just, my heart just started reaching out to her. And I just felt the love of Jesus for her life thought, she needs us. She needs the good news, desperately. And so we started going deeper, that even though we've fallen short, Christ came. We can't get up. We can't climb that ladder on our own. We can't get back to God. We're ruined. Even our will is in bondage. Even our will is darkened. Our will doesn't even, my will did not even want to serve God. But God made me alive. And I talked to her about the saving grace of Jesus and how he can be received into her life. And, and, and for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And if we will believe on him and receive him into our life, we can have a new life and, and really be transformed and changed, changed from within. And she heard every word. And we got to the end of that and we actually prayed together. 
And, and then we got off the, 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 the plane in LaGuardia in New York City. We got off. We, walked, we were the first to walk off the runway. And she looked at me and she said, this has been amazing. And then, then we just hugged. And I've never hugged a porn star before, <laughs> I can assure you. But it was just one of these moments. And we were hugging and embracing and just feeling the love of God. And then all of a sudden, after about three or four seconds of that, I thought my mind went to another place. And it said, what if there's somebody who's standing in this airport who knows me and knows her at the same time? That's not very nice. But, but we got through that. And I just thought immediately we started walking out, exchanged numbers and all that. And we started walking out. And I, had, I thought, I better call my wife right away. I better just get, check in with my wife. So I called her. And her first question was like, well, how did you know it was a porn star? I said, not what you think. She told me. She told me. And uh, we just had that moment in God. So here's what First Peter says. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Sometimes being ready. You guys awake? What does it say? Please. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and with reverence. One of the great surprises in my life is just how open and how receptive and how transparent and how broken all people are. Uh, My life's been broken many times. My heart's been broken. Um, And one of the things that just is I live in constant awareness of is that the world around me is just hurting. Doesn't matter how much money someone has, how much success, there's still brokenness. And you know what God did? He took a great risk. He did not give the gospel, the good news to angels. He gave the gospel to people. And, and if we will be alert and aware of people around us, brothers and sisters, you're going to have something great to give away. I didn't get a great, big, nice gift from that lady, but I got the most important gift of all. I got the word of God. You are a living epistle. You don't have to go in the Bible distribution. Scripture says you're a living epistle, known and read by all men. Give yourself away. Give the good news away. Give the glory of God away. People will be so grateful that you did. Amen.